When we read the Old Testament Bible, we can learn many things. But we have to understand this. Some of the scriptures, or many of the scriptures in the Old Testament, do not pertain to the New Testament church today. If you were to read the book of Leviticus, you would see the law of Moses presented, where they sacrificed animals for certain sins. This was prescribed by God and was used up until the time of Jesus. So you can't look at that and say, oh, we have to do this. But there are a great many verses of Scripture in the Old Testament which do apply to us today. For example, in Isaiah fifty-four seventeen, this is definitely valid for the church today. No weapon formed against thee will prosper, and every tongue that would rise against thee thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. David spoke many wonderful psalms, which are valid today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There are also many psalms which present us a history of the things that happened to them in the Old Testament. And the one thing we can learn by the Old Testament is that the disobedience that the children of Israel showed toward God, we can learn some of the things they did that God hated. We can see how they did not please God. Therefore, we don't want to go that direction. We don't want to go in the ways that displease God. And one of the primary ways that they went that displeased God is setting up of graven images in their worship and worshiping things like golden cows set up by Jeroboam. You will say, well, I would never worship idols. How about calling your minister reverend? Is that a correct thing to do today? Or do you set up an idol when you do that? Do you cause that minister to be set on a pedestal and worshipped in the wrong way? Certainly we should respect those people anointed by God set in the offices of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But many people today are not anointed by God or called by God, and they set themselves up in a ministry by going to Bible school or a seminary. So there's so much perversion today and so many things that are evil today in the churches because men removed the scriptures in the New Testament Bible, and set up their own rules for their church group. For example, one time we encountered a realtor who told us she was Messianic Jew. Pam Paget had the original conversation with this woman, and the woman began talking about a man that she, as a divorced woman, was interested in marrying. Pam gave her the scriptures from the New Testament that showed if the divorced woman remarries while her husband's living, she will commit adultery. This Messianic Jew woman said to Pam, Oh, 
We have our own doctrine at our church. We don't go by the Bible. I was just shocked when Pam told me this story. I screamed out, the only doctrine the church has is the New Testament Bible. It's going to be a terrible thing in the day of judgment when people like this woman come before the judgment seat of Christ trying to uphold the doctrine of her church, which does not agree with the doctrine of the New Testament Bible. Some of it will agree, but not all of it. We have to wholly follow God, as did Caleb. When Joshua and Caleb and the men went in to search out the land, only Joshua and Caleb wholly followed God. And the other men were destroyed by God in the wilderness. Those are examples showing us that we must wholly follow the New Testament scriptures. The Apostle Paul told us, be not conformed to this world, to the ideas of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, meaning by the New Testament Bible by what it has to say. So we have to be very careful in what we follow and what we set up. God called Jeremiah to be a prophet, and God explained to him in Jeremiah 1, verse 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Even before you were born, you were ordained by God, God says to Jeremiah, to do this work. Even before you were born, I chose you. Even before you were conceived, I chose you. There's a scripture, I believe it's Ephesians 1, which talks about from the foundation of the world we were called. Jeremiah said then to God, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto Jeremiah, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, says Jeremiah. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words into thy mouth. See, I have set thee this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. That is just so important, that verse 10. To root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. Consider it this way. If you were going to build a new house, and you selected a lot, but it already had an old broken down house on it, You couldn't build the new house until you removed the old house. And the same thing happens with us as we share things of God with people. 
Many times they have doctrines that they've learned in their churches which are tradition of men and are not of God. We have to uproot those doctrines before we can share the real doctrines of Christ with them. The Catholic Church is loaded with doctrines of men which are not doctrines of the New Testament. But the Protestant Church also has doctrines which are not of the New Testament. Today, in the apostate churches of the New Testament, in the apostate churches, they have removed many scriptures and instructions and have set up other ways to go, which will bring destruction upon them and their people. Before we can work with them, often we have to root up the old doctrine. There are many churches that say there are no apostles and prophets today. That is incorrect because we see in Ephesians chapter 4 that when Jesus was resurrected into heaven, he gave to the church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. There's no place in the New Testament which shows us apostles and prophets were removed from the New Testament church by God. Rather, they are given to the New Testament church by God for the work of the ministry. The ministry of apostle prophet is very different from the ministry of evangelist, pastor, and teacher. All five ministries are given to the church by Jesus after the crucifixion. He set up the New Testament church, and the ministries that he gave are apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. If you try to remove apostles and prophets, it would be like trying to throw away all the rules and to throw away all the judges from the courts and all the police officers and live on this earth without that. To live in the church without apostles and prophets is like eliminating judges and police officers. For the apostles work with the doctrines of Christ as given by the New Testament Bible, and they will try to turn you to the New Testament Bible and reinstall in you the doctrines of Christ. Doctrines such as the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, which has been removed from most churches today. Matthew 5.32, that's what Jesus said. The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. An apostle, a genuine apostle, will try to turn you back to the scripture. But he has to uproot that doctrine that you've learned at your church that was not the doctrine of Christ. There are some churches today where the pastors are saying, oh, I think it's okay to be a homosexual or lesbian. They completely ignore what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1. You have to be fixed on Romans chapter 1 in order to do the Word of God. 
Here's what God says about homosexuals and lesbians. Wherefore God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. That's Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 24. Continuing with Romans chapter 1, he becomes very specific about homosexuals and lesbians. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. This spells out God's view of homosexuals and lesbians. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 28. We renew our mind to the word of God and we come to agree with what God says, not with what the world is teaching, not even what your own church is teaching when it disagrees with what God says. We hold to what God says in the New Testament Bible. Now, an apostle will really try to get you to do that. Prophets will very often be sent by God with messages to individuals telling them if they don't straighten up, the penalty that's going to come upon them. I was sent once to Robert Tilton at Word of Faith when he was at Farmer's Branch, Texas, north of Dallas. Bob had a TV program, and he invited a woman from Word of Faith who was a prophet to come and speak at his TV program. She called me after it was televised. That was 1982. She called me, and she was crying. She said just before they went on camera, Bob said to her, Just one thing, Ava. When we get on camera, don't mention about being a prophet because it's not popular. I was furious over it. Because what Bob did is kill a prophet, keeping a prophet from speaking as God would have that prophet speak. Oh, I've had that happen before. God gave me judgment messages back in 1982. He showed me ministers, big-time TV radio ministers who were committing sins. And he had me speak it on radio. I was having a meeting in Seattle, Washington, and when I arrived at the convention center, the radio station manager was standing outside the door of the meeting room. And George had always been so friendly to me, but this time he wasn't smiling. And George said to me, Joan, you have many wonderful messages. Just speak those messages. 
See, that's what Bob did to Ava. Just don't say anything about being a prophet. Don't speak that message. Speak this other message. You have to speak the message at that moment that you believe to be from God. That is the only message for that moment in time. So as a prophet, we're thoroughly trained by God to speak his word, to speak what he gives us at that exact moment. Before I started recording this, I prayed for God to give me exactly what he wanted spoken. And I've been trained thoroughly to yield to the Spirit of God. So when he brings a subject to my mind, that's the subject I speak, whether it's a concept or whether it's a scripture. So I never know what I'm going to speak exactly when I start recording. I try to yield to the Spirit of God at all times. Well, the radio station manager said to me that day, Joan, you have many wonderful messages. Just speak those messages. But if you keep speaking these judgment messages, I don't know what's going to happen to you. We may have to put you off the air. Out of my mouth without any thought whatsoever came the following words. George, if I don't speak the message that I believe to be from God, then I don't have a message so I may as well be off the air. The only message that any real minister has is the message that God, by the Holy Spirit, brings to his mind at that point in time, and especially a prophet. So back to Bob Tilton. He killed a prophet. He killed Ava by saying to her, now don't say anything about being a prophet when we go on camera because it's not popular. He kept her from speaking freely the word of God, killing a prophet. So I told Bob Tilton this, because you've done this, your house will be left unto you desolate. God had called my attention to Matthew 23, where Jesus told him that. Because they killed a prophet, their house will be left unto them desolate. That was 1982. God brought me out of that church by giving me a dream which took me out of that church in 1982. In 1991, Primetime Live did an expose concerning Robert Tilton. He had been soliciting prayer requests on his television show, and he had taken in $80 million that year, according to ABC Primetime Live. But the worst thing is he got the people to send him prayer requests and they would add some money to the envelope. The envelope with the prayer request was sent to Farmer's Branch, Texas, where the church was, and forwarded unopened to a bank in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where a teller was assigned to open the envelope, throw the prayer request in the garbage, and deposit the money. As a result of these sins, Bob and his wife ended up divorcing. He remarried, committing adultery, according to the Bible, against his first wife. 
For the man who divorces his wife and remarries, Jesus says he commits adultery. That's in uh, Mark chapter 10. We'll stop and read that. Verses 11-12. Jesus said, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Jesus spoke in the beginning of Mark 10 these words. Starting at verse 6. From the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Now, how did God cause them to be one flesh? Paul explains it to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Start at verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the member of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What know ye not? that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Even if you have sex with a prostitute, you become one flesh with that person because at the time of sexual intercourse, the two become one flesh. So Paul says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Fornication is a sin different from all other sins. It is a sin against your own body. For men and women both, at the time of sexual intercourse, you become one flesh. Flee fornication. For every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Then Paul goes on in 19 and 20 and says, What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. One time I attended a luncheon at Texas Tech University. It was held in a building in downtown Lubbock on the fifth floor. We were seated at a window seat and a woman pointed out of that window and said, That's our church. It was First Methodist Church. And I said, We are the church. And she said, what? And I said, no, we are the church. And she said, that's the church. That's the church, and pointed to the building. And I said, no, we, the body of Christ, are the church. And she became just furious. She had learned a doctrine and had a concept in her which blocked her from all other doctrines that we could speak 
she couldn't hear this scripture. She wouldn't be able to hear this scripture because rooted deeply in her was the doctrine that the building was the church, that you went to this church, this building, this building made by man. But Paul tells us, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Not that church building, your body, which is in you. That Holy Spirit is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. So that teaching that she had in her, and that concept of man which she had in her would have to be uprooted by Scripture before she could ever have truth in her heart. And prophets uproot things in people. They don't do it of themselves. I never look for wrongdoing when I'm with anyone. It's just that when something's wrong, God will alert me and have me speak the truth. But I don't look for it. So back to the subject of Robert Tilden and what happened to him. You can read this in detail if you go to Wikipedia and type in Robert Tilton. It gives a whole history. The one thing it doesn't tell you is that he killed a prophet. And that was really the root of the sin right there, what he did to Ava. And that brought about his destruction. And it ended up that the 8,000-seat church that Bob worked so hard to build has been completely destroyed. You would never know a church ever met at that location. The building was completely destroyed. Bob went off to Florida and tried to start another television church. He finally ended up taking everything and buying a hotel in Culver City, California, completely out of everything. Complete destruction happened to Bob Tilton. I'm happy to say I was not attending his church group at the time he was destroyed. I presented these messages to Bob in 1982, and God had mercy on me and removed me from that church group before he destroyed Bob because the destruction came around 1991. But this is the type of work prophets do. They warn the ministers and they warn the church individuals and sometimes the whole church about certain sins that are going on. God told Ezekiel the prophet Recorded in Ezekiel 3, get to the children of Israel and speak to them what I give you. But God said to Ezekiel, they won't listen to you because they won't listen to me. Nevertheless, go and speak to them. We speak even when they won't listen to us. We warn them. In 1975, after I was born again, I began attending a prayer group in our neighborhood. And one of the really educated women in the group, and a woman I liked very much, she 
presented a doctrine that was from Jeremiah 1, that there would be destruction coming upon the United States from the north. The problem is, she was basically implying that Russia would attack the United States. She was raised in the era of McCarthyism in the 50s. So was I. And they, all they talked about were Russians and the evils of Russia and that they would try to destroy the United States. And she thought she had found a scripture to prove this. And she was using this scripture in Jeremiah 1. But she was misusing it. Look at this scripture carefully. Then the Lord said unto me, says Jeremiah, verse 14, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. But God is showing Jeremiah that this evil is going to come upon Jerusalem and Judah and that they will, as a result of their sins, be carried away into Babylon where they will be in captivity for 70 years. So it has nothing to do with the United States. The main thing we learn from the captivity is that if you disobey God, you're going to be put in some kind of bondage. And we see their great suffering because they disobeyed God. But it doesn't mean that the Russians are going to attack the United States. Look at verse 15 of Jeremiah 1. God said to Jeremiah, For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord, and they shall come, and they shall set every one his throne at the entering of the gates at Jerusalem and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah. Has nothing to do with the current United States. But it is a good example for us to see that if we as children of God fail to follow God, we will go into some form of captivity, bondage, to something that causes trouble for us. So you have to correctly use scripture. You have to discern as you read the Old Testament. You have to understand which scriptures apply only to that period of time and which scriptures apply universally to our period of time. For there are many promises of God in the Old Testament which are valid for us today. Now, as we go through these chapters of Jeremiah, I'll attempt to show you some of the things that came upon the people because of what they did. Because these are examples to us, says Paul, that we not do the same thing they did. And I will also try to point out some of the scriptures that are promises of God that are as valid for us today as they were for the people of the Old Testament. Jeremiah 1, verses 16 and 17, God says, And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, and have worshipped 
the works of their own hands. So, are you out there thinking of marrying a divorced woman? Before you do that, you better seriously consider Matthew 5.32. Are you, as a divorced woman, being told at church, Oh, yes, of course you can remarry. You better seriously consider scriptures such as 1 Corinthians 7, 10 and 11, Romans chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. For these scriptures show us in the New Testament church that if that woman remarries after divorce, she commits adultery. We had a woman in our church group who was raised Baptist and she married and had two children, and she and her husband divorced, and she met a man later and wanted to marry him. Apparently, she had heard along the way that if she remarried after divorce, she would commit adultery. She wasn't even born again when this happened. She went to a pastor to ask him if she could remarry, and the pastor told her, I don't see anything wrong with remarrying. My sister is divorced and remarried. That pastor did not know what the New Testament Bible says on the subject of divorce and remarry. For here are a couple of scriptures on that subject. Look at Romans chapter 7, what the Apostle Paul taught the New Testament church. Verse 2. For the woman which has an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress though she be married to another man. Look also at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 and 11, and notice that the Apostle Paul said this information is a commandment of the Lord for the New Testament church. Starting at verse 10, And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. Now look at verse 39 of the same chapter. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. Now, some churches will teach, we don't go by the law. This is Apostle Paul teaching this to the New Testament church. Was Paul wrong? No, that church that says we don't go by the law is wrong. We don't go by the law of Moses, where we sacrifice animals for sin. But we go by the law of God presented in the New Testament Bible. And you will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ by that law of God 
presented in the New Testament Bible. So you better really get this straight. For when Jesus comes the second time, he comes to bring judgment. It's over. There's no more that can be done after that. 2 Corinthians 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we may receive for that which we have done on this earth, whether it be good or bad. If you agree with the New Testament Bible, it will be good. If you disagree with the New Testament Bible because of the doctrine they're teaching at your church, you'll be judged very severely. It'll be wrong. You're not going to be rewarded for wrong doctrine. It is the New Testament Bible. That's all we have to go by. The New Testament Bible, what it says. Well, many of the churches today have changed that. That is called the apostate church of the end times. They've changed the Bible. They've fallen away from the New Testament Bible and set up their own doctrines. So we, each one of us, are responsible for the New Testament Bible, for the doctrines of the New Testament Bible, and we are responsible to renew our mind to the New Testament and conform ourselves to those doctrines. If you choose to read the book of Jeremiah, you're going to see that Jeremiah is speaking primarily to the Jews of his day, to the ones that were going to go into captivity. For Jeremiah was speaking just at the period of time before God sent judgment upon them. The king of Babylon came, took them captive, took them into Babylon, and they were in Babylon 70 years. It was a sentence from God upon them because they refused to follow God and set God aside, and they worshipped other things other than God. You say, oh, well, I'd never do that. Well, what are you worshipping at your church? Is it the actual word of God, or are you worshiping the pastor and calling him reverend? No man in the Bible is called reverend, but these men call themselves reverend. It says in the Bible, holy and reverend is God's name, and yet you're letting that man be called reverend, and you're calling him reverend, and you're so proud of it, and he's so proud of it, you have made him an idol. You're worshiping your church buildings. You're worshiping your choirs. There is no such thing as minister of music in the Bible. That's added by man. And many people are being entertained at their church services. And they think they're worshiping because their emotion feels religious. But they go out and do sins against God, against the Holy Spirit, because They follow things other than God and do not properly judge what they're doing. The first church I ever attended after I was born again was a little church in Dallas called Believer's Chapel. Their teachers were professors at Dallas Theological Seminary. When I went to that church, they were teaching tongues are of the devil. 
Well, I didn't know what a tongue was. I didn't care what a tongue was. So I didn't think about their teaching being wrong. But one day I was reading the New Testament Bible in 1 Corinthians 14, and I saw the following scripture. Verse 39. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Well, the church I was attending were forbidding you to speak with tongues and saying tongues are of the devil. My best friend went to that same church, and I told her, I said, Donna, did you know Paul said to forbid not to speak with tongues? And she said, where did he say that? We were driving along the road. She pulled off the side of the road. And she said, show me that. Well, I took this little Bible out of my purse and showed it to her. And she said, oh, for they were teaching that tongues were of the devil at the church we were attending. She said, let's go over to my house and look at this scripture in every translation that I have of the Bible. We looked it up in every translation that Donna had of the Bible, and every one of them said, forbid not to speak with tongues. I said, well, I'm not going back to that church. She said, well, neither am I. So we both left. You're going to find wrong doctrine in other churches on other subjects, but you don't stay there. We go by the New Testament Bible, and we'll be judged by the New Testament Bible, whether we're doing good or bad. So as you read the Old Testament, you must discern between the scriptures that are laws for the Old Testament versus laws in the New Testament that are laws for the New Testament church today. But you don't throw out all the scripture, all the laws, just because it says law, thinking it means that we don't go by it anymore. That's the law of Moses we don't go by anymore, where they sacrificed animals for sin. The law of Moses is shown in Leviticus. But we go by the law of God set forth in the New Testament Bible, and we will be judged by that law at the judgment seat of Christ. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.